You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. We're coming to you during National Catholic Schools Week, and we're coming to you live from my office at Corpus Christi. Steve Ray is is my next guest. I've, I've had him on before, and I, I always see... Uh, I'm joyful when I see him uh, on my uh, list of of Real Presence Radio interviews again. Uh, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, Monsignor. It's good to be with you again as well. Thank you for your time. We're going to talk about God the Father. First, I want to tell you a, a story. I, I gave this homily on the third Sunday of Ordinary Time when it was the Sunday of the Word as designated by Pope Francis, okay? And it, it, it's a story before I went to the seminary and I was at uh, NDSU, um, I, I was invited to a, a campus crusade for Christ uh, uh, overnight. They're, I don't, they're not called the campus crusades for Christ anymore, but anyway, we were invited. I brought one of my friends, my good time, uh, uh, longtime friend from uh, Williston, Lee Ziegler. Anyway, we went. And in the evening, we, we sat around the fire, and pretty much everyone there began to question us about our Catholic faith. And and uh, there was a lot of questions we couldn't answer. Anyway, I thought of you when I wrote this homily uh, for that for that weekend. Uh-huh. Anyway, it got down to this, Steve, that that we were told, uh, you know, just two eighteen-year-old Catholic boys, we were told that we needed to join a Bible-based church, mm-hmm. and that the Catholic Church is not a Bible-based church. Right. And it, it was the darndest thing I ever heard at the time. And my, my defense was, well, you know, I got a Bible in the second grade when I received First Holy Communion. I mean, we listen to the Bible when we go to church. I mean, you know, and I, I even dug deep and I, I went back to our fourth grade play where, you know, we, we <laughs> enacted Jonah and the whale. And, and, you know, I couldn't get any traction on that. I mean, I was, I was actually even Jonah. I said, we, you know, we, and it, no, and they would hear none of it. And it was, yeah. The darndest thing I ever heard. Yeah, and, and yeah. then and, and then I met a priest that, that taught me otherwise, but I but I thought of I thought of you, Steve. I came from that world. I know their mindset, and I'll tell you why they say you're not a Bible they, we're not a Bible based church, because we have tradition and they use the Bible. We pray they uh, as an evangelicals, they pray to a living God, we pray to dead saints. We think we have to get to heaven by our works, where the Bible says you get to heaven by faith alone. So they think that Catholics are completely upside down, that they're not following the Bible, they're following the traditions of men, and they've created things like purgatory and priests and confession to priests and the real presence of Christ, and all of these man-made traditions, and therefore you really have to get out of the Catholic Church because it's not a church, it's really a big cult. And you have to become a real Bible-believing Christian and find a church that believes and teaches the Bible. Funny thing is, Monsignor, is that if you would have if you would have fallen for that at the time and said, "Okay, well, what do I need to do?" They would have said, "You need to pray the sinner's prayer, and we'll lead you in the sinner's prayer." Well, wait a minute. There's no such thing as a sinner's prayer in the Bible. That's a man-made tradition. And once you prayed that that sinner's prayer, you would say that you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you ask him to come into your heart, put the brakes on again. Those words are never found in the Bible. That, too, is Baptist tradition. So I love to get in a situation like that. If someone asks me questions like, are you born again? 
I just love it. I said, yes, I'm born again, but I'm born again the Bible way. I, you know, they, they, when I get asked those questions, they don't realize that I came from their world and I know the Bible better than they do. But as I look back, Steve, you know, we, we, were, we weren't just invited, uh, and they weren't mean to us, but we, we weren't just invited to this overnight. We were intentionally targeted. Steve. Sure you were. It's, it's, it's a matter of club. They're in, they have a club. It's like gangs almost, you know, and it's a rival. You belong to a rival gang, and their job is to get you into their club. And, and they have loyalty. They have passwords. They have their own nomenclature and jargon in their club. And, and they do it really, though, out of the goodness of their heart. And I had one lady who came up to me yelling at me and for being a Catholic and leaving the Bible church off. And I just gave her a big hug and said, ma'am, I really appreciate that you care for my soul. I really do. I thank you, and I love you that you care about me that much to confront me. But they really do it out of the goodness of their heart. They've been taught that Catholics are going to hell, and they need to get them saved. And that their whole emphasis of evangelical Protestantism is reading the Bible and evangelism, and they were evangelizing you. And so when Lee and I were, were uh, two 18-year-old you know, Catholics, uh, they must have been salivating, huh? Right. Oh, they were because they know that you don't know the Bible. They know, and it's it's a sad thing. But but see, when you are an evangelical, when you are one of them, it's all propositional. To them, it's all about words. It's all about the book. It's all about talking. It's all about learning and reading the Bible and taking notes. For Catholics, it's less that. For us, it's devotional. It's it's worshiping God. It's prayer and devotion, and it's much deeper. And we also are propositional. We also love the Bible and words and study and taking notes. But it's more for us a matter of worship and and uh, devotional type aspects and prayer. So they they would salivate um, because they assume that you have taken this hook, line, and sinker. You have no idea what it means to be born again. You have no idea how to get saved, and you and and they can easily. Um, convince you. I, I used to teach classes on how to convert Catholics. I mean, I, I know how to do that. I could do it. I could switch back and do it really easy right now. You know, I knew all the verses that to use against Catholics that they don't know how to respond to. And so when you get a Catholic cornered, especially a young one, um, more times than not, you will, if nothing else, get them to seriously question being Catholic. But at the best of times, you can get them to leave and become a real Bible Christian. Yeah, and I think I was there in sincerity. I, I think Lee just came along thinking there might be girls there, but I mean, it, <laughs> it, 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 you know, because you know, we, we were told the sacraments weren't in the Bible. We were told the Pope's not in the Bible, and we, and then after, afterwards, you know, he, he just said, you know, Schumacher, what'd you get me into? And yeah. I said, you know, Lee, I'm not sure, but we're gonna we're gonna find out, and we we did find out the the, the truths there. So, but yep. anyway, I, I wanted to run that by you, that's, Steve, because very I, interesting, and you know, to, in, in a way, they're correct. The sacraments and the Pope are not in the Bible. You do a study, you do a search, you'll never find the word sacrament in the Bible, and you won't find the word Pope in the Bible. But, on the other hand, you never find the word Trinity in the Bible, or the word rapture in the Bible, which are some of their favorite words. And, but the concept uh, yeah. of the sacrament is there for sure, and yes. the whole the concept of the papacy is in there for sure. Very, very beautifully. Steve, th- let's get back to your book. It's the, the Catholic Faith, an introduction to the creeds. We're going to talk about God the Father. Uh, tell us what we, what we need to know about God the Father in, in, in your new book. Well, it starts out with, I believe. 
the credo. It's the Latin word credo. It means I believe, and it's a statement of I am going to now recite facts, things that I know are true. Two plus two is four. I know that. That's how I balance my checkbook every month. But I also know that there is a God. I believe in God the Father. And so we're making a statement right at the very beginning that there is an overarching, all-encompassing being who has created everything. And he is pure spirit, and he transcends us. In fact, he is existence. He is everything exists by him and through him. And we are stating the fact that we do not believe in the gods of this world, or idols, or the yin and yang, or pantheism, or atheism, or agnosticism, or polytheism. We believe in one God, and then we go on in the creed to describe who he is. And let's, let's get back to that, why, why it's important that we say one God. Uh, pantheism uh, leads to atheism and agnosticism, uh, and then polytheism uh, yin and yang, t- t- tell us how believing in one God will counteract those, those errors. If you have multiple gods, you, you don't solve the problem of where did everything come from, how do we get here, what's the source of being, because if you have multiple gods, then obviously they're not almighty, they're finite, they can't be infinite. We as human beings are always looking for the infinite. We want to get to the final thing back there, the final thing that we can reach that started everything, the, the mover that was never moved, and whatever. And we have to realize that there's one of three possibilities. Either there is absolute, we all came from absolutely nothing, which is not possible, that everything came from absolutely nothing. So that you have to throw away. The other two are that there is a, a personal God who is, or an impersonal. In other words, that there is no God at all then we all just came here by chance. And that makes matter or the uh, material world eternal. Something has to be eternal from, from forever. So either that's matter, the earth, and, and stuff and energy is eternal, which then gives us no meaning or purpose whatsoever. We're just a big cosmic mistake. Or there is something behind it all that's eternal that is a personal something. And that personal person of God created everything, and therefore it gives meaning to all of life. Because if I just came out of the dirt, then what what is, is love? Love is only hormones and electronics and molecular connections in my body. And if I say to my wife, I'm having a hormonal reaction for you, I don't get the response from her I want. This, if I come just from an atheistic evolutionary point of view, it gives no answers or meaning to any of our lives. We might as well not even get up in the morning. If, on the other hand, there is a God, one God who is eternal and the farthest thing back, and he is a person and infinite and made us in his image, therefore all of the things that I recognize about myself have meaning. I say I love. What does that mean? Well, it means I'm doing in the image of the one who created this real love. Love is not just hormones. So when I say to my wife, I love you, I get a much better response. And that means also that I can think and I can have abstract thought. And all of the things that we are as humans then have meaning because it all goes back to the infinite creator who made us in his image. 
Steve, we're going to take a short break. If I could have you hang on through sure. the break, we're going to we're going to talk about more things. I'm visiting with Steve Ray, uh, the great Steve Ray, and it's always a pleasure. We're talking about his new book entitled "The Catholic Faith: An Introduction to the Creeds." Steve, when we come back, uh, when we're back, we're going to talk about how how Israel uh, influenced our, our our Catholic creed. And uh, also why so many early Christians were killed for being for being atheists. Uh, so if you can hang on, we'll be back. Sure. Uh, all right. You're listening to the Real Presence Radio Network on Real Presence Live. I'm coming to you from my office at Corpus Christi in Bismarck. My name is Monsignor Patrick Schumacher. Thank you for listening. I hope you're having a good start to your day wherever you are. And as we come up on 45 minutes past the hour, we will be back in just one moment. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio, with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, Please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, contact lenses, glasses, and vision therapy services. Our specialized vision therapy program works to improve how the eyes work together as a team. We work with our patients to improve reading difficulties, lazy eyes, eye turns, and focusing problems, which can be detrimental to performance in the classroom and on the job. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. And we're bringing you another good show during National Catholic Schools Week. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. My guest is Steve Ray on the phone. We're talking about his book entitled, and you can buy it right now uh, online, The Catholic Faith, An Introduction to the Creeds. Uh, Steve, thank you for staying through the break, and uh, let's visit about how Israel uh, influenced our Catholic creed. Could that be? There, Israel is the foundation of everything that we are as Catholics, because we have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the New Testament makes no sense whatsoever without the Old Testament. The Old Testament lays the whole foundation 
for what we are and who we are as Christians and Catholics. And in those days, they had many different gods. In fact, gods were assigned to countries. So, so Moab had its own god, Moloch, and uh, all the other countries had their own gods, and God was the god of Israel, named Yahweh. And, but he claimed to not just be the God of Israel, but to be the everlasting, eternal God who was the creator of the universe, and he wasn't just limited to that 8,000 square miles of Israel. He was the God, and all the other gods were not. They were fake. So he, uh, the Israel always wanted to follow after all these other gods. And the whole Old Testament, if, in one way of looking at it, is God trying to get them to understand there's only one God. You only worship one God. That's all there is. And Israel kept being seduced by the other gods around them, many of them that required infant sacrifices and all kinds of very um, lewd sexual practices, which is one of the reasons why the Israelites were so seduced by them. But they, finally, at the end of the Old Testament, God got them to understand that there's only one God. And then the New Testament comes along, and then God says, okay, now, I want, you're going to have to understand that uh, I'm only one God, but in this one Godhead there are three persons. So then the Gospels, he introduces us to the second person of the Trinity, and then in the book of Acts, on day of Pentecost, we're introduced to the third person of the Trinity. So Israel lays the whole foundation for us and defended the whole idea of one God. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And so that's, we get the creed, it's all based ultimately back in the Old Testament in the, in the land of Israel. When I taught high school, uh, we were catechism-based, and the catechism is divided into four parts, creed, sacraments, morality, prayer. Uh, and in the context of our faith, creed is, is, our, is our faith expressed. Sacraments is our faith celebrated. Morality is our faith lived. Prayer is our faith deepened. So when we talk about creed, Steve, and uh, our faith expressed, we, we, we express it in a name. that You mentioned Yahweh. Let's go back to that for, for a, a moment. And, and, and I, I like it when our Lord echoes that I am who am in, in, in the Gospel of John. But getting yeah. back to Exodus, uh, when, when I had a student that asked me, okay, you know, I'm not going to get crazy about the Bible, fine. So he said, uh, give, me, give me one quote in the New Testament, one quote uh, in the Old. Uh, I used this Exodus story as when we learn God's name. So when did we learn it? If you don't know someone's name, you don't really know them. For example, if I came on today and I refused to tell you my name, you'd say, well, there's this guy in Michigan, and you, re you really don't know someone until you're introduced, and the name means something. The name is attached to me very intimately, so when you know my name, then you get to know me. And God had also has a name. And I'm, interestingly, he didn't tell his name to Adam and Eve. He never told his name to Noah. Even Abraham, who was the friend of God, three times in the Bible says Abraham's the friend of God, didn't know his name. It wasn't until the book of Exodus where God finally reveals his name out in the wilderness of Sinai to Moses. And Moses said, you want me to go to Pharaoh and tell him to release the people? Are you crazy? What? And God, who am I going to tell him sent me? And he says, tell him I am who I am. That, that, that's God's name. I am who I am. That I am. It means I am existence. Everything exists. I am existence. And you go tell him that the God I am that I am sent you, 
and in short, just I am. That, this is his name for all generations, it says, so we actually know God's name. He's revealed himself to us. He has not stayed aloof like the God of Islam. He has not stayed mysterious, and he has actually come down, and he loves us so much he wants a relationship, and he has actually revealed himself to us. He's related to us by saying, hello, I'd like to meet you. My name is I Am. He tells us his name. That's an intimate thing to do. And so now when you get in the New Testament, like you said, Jesus refers to himself as I am on numerous occasions, often to quite interesting results. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they said, "We're looking. who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus. He said, I am. And they all fell down backwards. So Jesus affirms in his, in his um, Gospel of John, he uses that name, and it drove the Jews crazy because they said, God is not a man. How can you use the name of God? I am. But Jesus was the I am, second person of the Trinity. At getting back to our topic, God the Father, and there can be all kinds of discussions about this today with, with how we use uh, language uh, pronouns. Why, why, is it, why is it important, Steve? that God is referred to as Father. Because that's how he reveals himself. I'm not going to start arguing with him about how he reveals himself. God, I think you know now that there's male and female and the feminists in the world today don't like you saying, don't like the word he. And you know, a lot of the whole feminist ideology is permeated into Christianity in many ways, and they try to avoid referring to God as Father and refer to Him instead as Creator, and Jesus as Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit as Sanctifier, because then you can avoid the pronoun He. But God has revealed Himself as the Father, and in that sense, Father as the progenitor, He's the beginning of everything, the Father He's, he starts everything, and that's how he reveals himself. And his second person in Trinity is his son. So this is how God has revealed himself as Father. Then when it comes to the, the Church, the, the, the Church represents the female, and God represents the male, and it's a marriage together. And so the male and the female um, aspects of creation are very significant. And God reveals himself as Father. But we have to realize, though, what that means. It's how he reveals himself. It doesn't mean that he has genitals, so to speak, or that he is a man like I am. God is pure spirit. He doesn't have sexuality. So we can't think of him in sexual terms like that, as a pure spirit. Some have said that he is the most simple of all beings because he is pure spirit. But, on the other hand, he has revealed himself as Father, as the originator or the progenitor of all of creation. In addition to God as Father, what does Almighty mean when referring to God the Father? Almighty is a very mysterious word, and there's a lot of discussion about what it means. I think that when we read it in English, I think the Bibles have made a pretty good uh, definition. Almighty means that he's above and beyond transcending. He is mighty to do anything. He is God himself. Now, I also there are some that say that it's El Shaddai in Hebrew, that that could mean God of the mountains, or the one who is the highest, the one who's up on top looking out over the rest. I've even heard in some um, commentaries and said that Shad is the word for breast 
in Hebrew. So it could be that he is El Shaddai, meaning the breasted one, or the nourisher, the, the caretaker, the feeder, the one who nourishes and protects, and like almost like a mother. So El Shaddai, the Almighty One, it's a mysterious title of God, but it's one of the first ones. It's how Abraham was introduced to God. God didn't tell Abraham his name was I am that I am. He told Abraham, I am God Almighty. In other words, I am the most powerful one. I'm the I'm the sustainer, the powerful one. So you look up to the mountains. That's where I'm up high. Steve Ray is my guest. We're talking about his new book entitled The Catholic Faith, An Introduction to the Creeds. We're talking about God the Father. And as we come up on 57 minutes past the hour, Steve, I got you just for a couple more moments. Finally, let's talk about creation, okay? How, how did God create? He spoke with his word. This is an interesting thing. And later in the Gospels, we read that everything was created through Christ through him and for him. So the creation is an act of all three of the persons of the Trinity together. They always act together. And God spoke. And if you look at the first verses of Genesis, and God said, he spoke, let there be light. When he spoke, it was his son. It was his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And and God The way that the Church understands it, it sounds maybe funny at first, but God thinks about himself, the Father, and that thought is so concrete and substantial it actually becomes a person, the second person of the Trinity. And so it's his word, it's his wisdom in a sense, it's actually a person. And it wasn't that there was ever a time when Jesus, the second person, was not. He always was, because God is continually, always generating the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the love that's between them, and so palpable, it becomes a person, too. But it's always been that way, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they together created, through their word, God spoke, and what was not there, all of a sudden was there. Science talks about the Big Bang. Well, if there was a Big Bang, it was when God said, let there be, boom, and it happened. And there was. And God is outside of space and time. He is not part of his creation. He is separate from his creation. Steve Ray, thank you for being on the show today, calling in from Michigan. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and I hope to have you again on the show. Monsignor, I'd be happy to come back anytime. We could talk about a lot of things, and I, maybe I want, we could keep moving through the creed and do the sun. I, 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 I'm enjoying your book entitled The Catholic Faith, An Introduction to the Creeds. God bless you, Steve, and let's talk again, okay? Thank you. God bless you, too. Very good. And during this National Catholic Schools Week, we're going to talk about how our local Catholic schools bring the light of Christ to the youth here. Gerald Vetter is my next guest, the president of our local school system. We'll be back in just one moment. 